Our readings tonight speak to us of God's faithfulness. Time and time again, when things seem most dire, when human ability to save ourselves has reached its limit, God shows up in ways that only God could. Now, there are multiple options we have to choose from when we put together an Easter vigil service, but the one that's always required is the crossing of the Red Sea from Exodus. God had already brought his people out of Egypt. The Passover had already happened, the ten plagues, but they were being chased by Pharaoh and his armies, and they were pinned against the sea that blocked their way. And they wonder, had God led them into the desert just to die there? No, even in the face of certain defeat, God rescues his people. And the rest of our readings come from Israel's time in exile. After generations of turning their back on God, Israel and Judah had been pulled away from their land by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. Their hopes were crushed. They wanted to return to the land to be God's people once again. And even though they were in a mess of their own making, the prophets say God would not leave them forever. Their exile would end. Tonight we celebrate that there is no obstacle that can separate us from the love of God. We remember the exodus, the return from exile, and Jesus' defeat of death itself, a victory that we're united to in our baptisms. And why does God do it? Why does he save people who cannot save themselves? Why does he save people who are reaping what they themselves have sown? He does it because of his love for us. And not just to spare us from punishment, God delights and desires for our good. Hear again what he said in Isaiah. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. He tells Zephaniah, I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes. He promises through Ezekiel that instead of a heart of stone, a heart that loves its own ways, he would give his people a new heart of flesh, a heart that was open to the good things that God has for us. This is consistent. Again and again, God promises through his prophets that although people want to turn their backs on him, he would save them, not just to remove them from dangers, but to allow them and empower them to do good, to be good, to choose life instead of death, good instead of evil. God's desire is for us to live not just free from, from consequence, but to live the kind of abundant lives that he created us to live in, to be fully human, fully living with him. And then God wouldn't just bless his people, but he blesses them so that they could be a blessing to others. God didn't just want to create a little fan club of people on earth who could follow him. God's plan has been nothing short of the undoing of sin, the restoration of all things. Easter isn't just about victory in the past, but about hope for the future. In the resurrection, we're given a sure promise of what is to come, the proof that death would not have the final say in our lives. On this first night of Easter, we remember that could-it-be moment that we see from the women in the tomb. 
And as they run to go tell the disciples what the angels told them, this startling news that they went to go find a crucified man but found an empty tomb instead, we read that they are afraid yet filled with joy. This is what hope looks like, holding on that tenuous grasp to that, that sense, could it actually be true? And Jesus himself meets them and tells them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because the most unbelievable thing that would change the whole world really did in fact happen. Death had really been defeated. Of course, it doesn't always feel like that. You might feel pressed against the edge of the Red Sea. We might feel ourselves despondent that we've messed it up and that there is no hope. Sometimes we feel much more like those dry bones. Our hope is gone. We're like the Israelites pressed against the Red Sea saying, wait a minute, it was better in Egypt. It wasn't great, but it, it, was, it was better than this. Why are we in this situation? Shouldn't we have been back in Egypt? Too often death still seems to be winning, to still have the upper hand. Esau McCauley in a New York Times opinion piece that was posted online just today wrote this, I've never been a big fan of hope. It's a demanding emotion that insists on changing you. Hope pulls you out of yourself and into the world, forcing you to believe more is possible. But he goes on and at the end of his piece reminds us of this, that indestructibility of hope might be the central and most radical claim of Easter. That three days after Jesus was killed, he returned to his disciples physically and that made all the difference. Easter then is not a metaphor for new beginnings. It is about encountering the person who, despite every disappointment we experience with ourselves and with the world, gives us a reason to carry on. Hope is hard. Hope in the face of so much that is still wrong is hard, but hope isn't grounded on good feelings or in vapid optimism. Hope is grounded in Jesus. If we look, we can often find that the reverberations of that first Easter morning continue to echo in our lives, maybe in the way God changes us, in the way that he has blessed us, in the way that he continues to work, in the way we see change in others' lives, in relationships that, that couldn't possibly have been healed, but maybe they still do. Those deposits, those little moments are just down payments on what God told us he'll ultimately do. The hope we have isn't in ourselves, it's not in hope itself, it is in the God who raised Jesus from the dead and has promised to make all things new. So the call tonight is to rejoice in the ways that God is already restoring things, the way he's already doing things and the way he promised to do things, to cling on to hope in those places that are still broken and believe that because Jesus is risen from the dead, there might still be hope that things will be restored now and that that isn't restored now, he has promised to ultimately restore in the age to come. Death is defeated. It will not have the final word. Jesus is risen. Alleluia.